Hello and welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Media's official podcast for the week of March 6th, 2019. I am Sean Higgins and I'm joined once again by Ski Racing staff writer Mackenzie Moran. Hey, hey. On today's show, Mackenzie and I will be discussing the weekend's World Cup action in Kvitfjell, Norway, and I guess lack of action? in uh, Rosa Couture, Russia, for the women. Uh, we will be chatting a little bit about the 2019 NCAA Skiing Championships that are going down this week in Stowe, Vermont, with a special guest interview by ski racing media intern and Dartmouth College student-athlete Jimmy Krupka, who will be talking with the defending NCAA Slalom champion and Swiss World Cup racer Tongi Neff. I'm really looking forward to that, Mackenzie. And last but certainly not least, I will be sitting down with U.S. Ski and Snowboard Alpine Development Director Chip Knight to talk all things World Juniors. We've got an action-packed episode this week, huh? Yes, we do. Get excited. All right, Mackenzie. So it was another eventful week on the women's tour in Russia. It looked like there was way more powder skiing going on than uh, racing. So what happened on the women's side last week? Well... The Russian races had the potential to be another giant fist hiccup in my eyes. So originally there was a lot of snow and the downhill got canceled. And then the Super G that was supposed to be rescheduled from St. Anton was rescheduled for to take the place of the downhill. And Michaela Schifrin, who's currently the leader in the Super G standings, had opted to skip out on the Russian series and would have missed two Super G races instead of one, which even though she said before, she's not necessarily going for the overall title in the Super G this year. That would have been a big hit to her points lead because it's currently a really tight race on the women's side. And after the fact... That race was canceled because of too much snow. And the next day, the second Super G was canceled because of too much snow. So no racing happened this weekend for the women at all, which ended the season for some and just changed the game going into finals because now that tight race is going to be, is going to carry over. And finals is going to be fun to watch because there are currently four women that could take the Super G title. Yeah, I know. I think watching that go down and getting those updates from FIS about the cancellations, all I could think about was what the consequences were for finals with Michaela having that red bib, not expecting it, and then the handful of women who are really, really top-tier Super G skiers that are going to be coming for her for sure in Andorra. So she currently has the points lead over Tina Weirather by 32, closely followed by Nicole Schmidhofer, 15 points back from Tina. And then we have Ragnold Mowinkle, who is six points behind Nicole Schmidhofer. So total fourth place back, Ragmo, is only 52 points behind Michaela. And that makes it a really tight race so it'll be fun to see who comes out on top in finals Mm -hmm. and also some exciting news that came out of the cancellations Michaela Schifrin by way of those races being lost in the calendar ended up clinching her third overall title in a row yeah and that was completely unexpected on her team's end I don't think that they anticipated that being decided until finals week so That's pretty cool to see, but like we were saying in past podcasts, we're kind of excited to see some of these 
um, titles come down to the wire rather than being clinched, you know, a couple weekends ahead of time. And Michaela also still has to compete to come out on top in the giant slalom. We have another tech series coming up this weekend in Czech Republic. And she is currently leading Tessa Worley in the giant slalom points by 81 points. A big deciding back factor will be if she can come out on top this weekend going into finals. Yeah, I agree. I think it'll be really interesting to see how Michaela is able to, to focus and perform with one, the slalom title wrapped up to the overall title wrapped up. And she has a chance in Super G. It looks good for her in Super G, I think. But I know her number one goal at the top of her list right now is that GS globe. And it will be interesting to see how she's able to perform with that one singular focus going into the last two races of the year. Yeah, Michaela has always been a really goal-oriented skier, and she said in multiple press conferences this year that the slalom overall title and the giant slalom overall title are her two biggest goals, and she's not going to let anything else get in the way with that. So I think having the Super G be a potential for her is surprising and exciting, so we'll see what happens with that. Mm -hmm. And another interesting thing with the cancellations, downhill being canceled in Russia it's guaranteed that an Austrian woman will walk away with the downhill title with uh, Nicole Schmidhofer and Ramona Siebenhofer sitting one and two in the standings right now. Uh, I think Schmidhofer has a 90-point lead going into the last race. Yeah, so Nicole currently has a lead over her teammate by 90 points, and the third-place spot in the downhill standings is currently filled by Ilka Stuhedge, and she can't compete because she has a season had a season-ending injury. So... After the disappointing World Championship roundup, I think getting a title for the Austrian women will be a positive for their speed team because they have been absolutely crushing it this season. And I think that they deserve it, honestly. Yeah, I totally agree. I think we we both talked about how much of a shock it was in Ore to see the, the Austrian women walk away with zero medals, zero individual medals, especially in, in speed. So I think... Uh, yeah, it was it's the first, a, it's time, a... <laughs> first time that has happened since 1982, I believe. Oh, like, wow. Did, yeah. Did not know that. But yeah, I think a, a downhill globe will uh, help heal some of those wounds, I think. Definitely. <laughs> All right, Sean. So on the men's side of things in Kvitfjell, we had a pair sweep. We had the downhill and Super G standings get even closer. And we had some really great performances from the Americans. So... What are your thoughts, feelings, opinions about what happened during your race series this weekend? Yeah, so uh, honestly, I think Kvitviel might be one of my favorite races to watch just because there's so much history there, uh, especially with the American team. Tommy Moe winning his Olympic gold medal on that track back in 1994, and I just think it's an exciting track to watch. There's terrain, there's a gigantic jump, which is always really cool to see, um, and, and the Norwegian fans are some of the, the best on tour, I think. So it was, it was a fun weekend. And, and Kvitviel is one of those hills on the World Cup. It's not the longest on tour, but it really uh, makes you be really precise. You can't really get offline in many places. It'll hurt you later on down the course. But there are also places where you can really make up time. And I think we saw that in the downhill. Paris took a uh, interesting line heading into the last final turns, and it paid off big time. I think he went from plus 0.3 at the final interval to... Uh, win the race by a quarter second over Foyt's in the downhill day. So that was incredibly exciting to watch. And uh, Dominic Paris, I think, really made a case for him being the best speed skier in the world currently. He uh, 
has only finished off the podium in a downhill or super G on the world cup once since, uh, Christmas, which is, uh, pretty impressive. And he was 11th in the way Vingen downhill. And that was his only non podium appearance since then. And he's won a, a world championship gold in super G as well. Um, Bayot Foyt still leads the downhill standings by 80 points over Paris, but, uh, man, anything can happen in men's downhill. For Foyt's to not walk away with the downhill globe for the second year in a row, I think essentially he would have to go out in the last race and Paris would have to win. I can't see Foyt's uh, not scoring points in in the last downhill race. Um, but on, on, the, on the flip side of that, Paris does lead the Super G standings now by 44 points over Austria's Vincent Kriegmeier. And much like the women's race in Super G, it's, it's pretty tight. Like, there are six men. Uh, within uh, 100 points, so they all have a mathematical chance of walking away with that globe at the end of the the season. With uh, Paris obviously in first, followed by Vincent Kriegsmeier, Alexander Amatkilde, who himself has won a Super G title, uh, Shadel Janzrud, who's won the last two Super G titles, uh, and Austria's Matthias Meyer, and Switzerland's Mario Kvyatsel is in six, and they're all within 100 points. So I'm really excited to see what happens in the Super G. And Super G is one of the most exciting events to watch because. It, Anything can happen. It's the technical aspects of giant slalom and the speed of downhill. So guys go out, guys miss gates, and uh, I'm really excited to see how that shakes out. All right, so what about the American performances? We had a lot of top 10s in the speed races this weekend, which is pretty big for us. So, Yeah, I thought there were two performances, well, three in particular, that, that stood out to me. Looking at the downhill day, uh, Jared Goldberg finally getting inside of the top 10 again. I know he's had a really tough season on the World Cup, a lot of ups and downs. He's got the technical ability and that instinct to search for speed. There's just been some pieces missing this year for him. And to see him finally throw down and uh, finish in the top 10 again was was really, really cool to see. And then you had Steve Nyman coming back his first uh, World Cup, he raced in World Champs, but uh, took that nasty fall in Wengen and uh, came back to the World Cup and finished seventh. Hasn't spent that much time on downhill boards, but uh, it's, a, it's a place he's been on the podium before, and to have that confidence heading into finals I think will be huge for him. And then you had Travis Ganong in the Super G finishing in fifth, which was actually his second best finish on the World Cup in that discipline. And I think he surprised himself a little bit. He's been uh, also struggling with injury. He had a pretty catastrophic knee injury that uh, took him out for the last half of the season last year. And Travis has been really open and honest about his his mental struggles, uh, not only his physical struggles, but his mental struggles as well, coming back from injury and and working through those mental barriers of getting back to speed and being comfortable with taking that risk on, on the downhill circuit this year. Um, so I, I think... He keeps building and building, and I know his body isn't quite 100% yet, but uh, I think if he finishes finals on a strong note and has an entire summer of prep, I think we'll be uh, expecting big things from him in the, in the seasons to come. And then Bryce Bennett as well. He's currently sitting sixth in the downhill standings, and if that sixth-place ranking holds up, he'll uh, be able to match Steven Nyman, who finished sixth in the downhill standings in both 2015 and 2016. And if he ends up having a great race in Andorra, he may wind up as the top-ranked American downhiller in quite some time. And uh, Bryce, I've known Bryce since we were 10 years old, and uh, to see someone like him really come into his own this year on the World Cup has been incredibly exciting. I think he's gotten a lot of fans not only in the United States but in the, around the world this season just because he's such a character 
he he looks out he almost definitely stands out from the crowd yes doesn't he? definitely stands out pun very much intended um he's six foot seven he looks almost like uh, so out of place on the world cup almost because he's uh so much taller than everyone i think he he said that he has an advantage though because he has um longer shock absorbers shock absorbers than everybody else so yeah those those chicken legs of his good shock absorbers yeah it'll be fun to see how it all shakes out all right and looking ahead to this weekend's world cup action Mackenzie, I know we talked a little bit about what we need to see from Michaela heading into Spindler of Men. What else do you want to see? Any other racers you have your eyes on this weekend? To be honest, I'd like to see Tessa Worley and Petra Volhova push Michaela a little bit on Challenger for that giant slalom title. Um, like we've said before, it's fun to see the competition come down to the wire and I would really love to see these women really charge and make a stand for that title. It, I think it would be great to see it come down to, you know, the race in finals for giant slalom because Michaela's already clinched the overall and the slalom and for her, Based on how she's been skiing and how consistently she's been skiing, I'm pretty confident that she'll be able to walk away with a giant solemn globe. Knock on wood, don't want to jinx her. But I would love to see a challenge for it and see the race be somewhat of a fight, not so much of a one second, a second and a half blowout on her end. Um she brought up a good point earlier on in the season, and I think about how her consistently winning has caused a lot of people in the media to kind of dehumanize the other racers that are competing for certain titles because just because they're not winning doesn't mean that they're not a factor. And I think that this next series of races and finals are going to be a great time for these women to step up and show that that's a serious statement and they are they are contenders for that top spot so on the men's side we have another tech series happening in slovenia this weekend sean um what do you want to see on that end yeah, the men are back in Kranskogora, Slovenia, for their kind of traditional now last tech series before finals. I've been to Kranska before. It's a it's a unique hill. It's very challenging. It's steep up top, a lot of rolls, a lot of terrain in the middle, and steep at the bottom, kind of unrelenting and steep at the bottom. And with Marcel Hersher wrapping up both the slalom and GS titles, I think it'll be really interesting to see how he approaches these last two races, last two tech races before finals with... I mean, it's kind of first place or bust for him now. He's got nothing left to to prove except for that all-time wins title, which he's been very uh, mum about reaching uh, Ingemar Stenmark. But uh, I I have to think he's a competitor. In the back of his mind, he wants to walk out of the the series on top. So I'm going to be really interested to see how uh, Hersher approaches it. And then also like you said about the women, how the other racers push. And and you've got guys like Alexi Penero and Henrik Christofferson who both have the ability to beat Hersher on a, on a really good day. And then uh, another Frenchman, Clement Noel, in, in slalom, who's has beaten Hersher a couple times this year in slalom. So I'm really interested to see how that shakes out. And then I would love to see 
some Americans throw down in giant slalom and in slalom, show the haters that yes, American men can ski tech once and for all. Yeah, that would be really, really great to see us just have like a killer last tech weekend and come out and be strong and hold up hold up the hand. NCAA championships kick off today with cross country and then Alpine begins with giant slalom tomorrow, Thursday the 7th. Sean, you were an NCAA athlete. What was it like leading up to NCAA championships? Yeah, NCAAs is a it's an interesting time of year. There's a lot of uh, a lot of pressure. I was fortunate enough to be on an NCAA championship winning team back in 2012 and for a team to walk away with that big trophy, that team title, a lot has to go right and a lot there's a lot that can go wrong too. I was on some teams that were pretty heartbroken at the end of the series as well while I was at uh, the University of Vermont. And it'll be really interesting to see how the week shakes out because you need to perform Slalom, GS, Alpine, and Nordic to walk away with that championship. You can't uh, win that title on the back of, of one side of one part of your team. And in college racing in general, NCAAs in particular is unique because it, it adds that team aspect to the sport. Ski racing, as we all know, is at its core an individual sport. It's you against the timer, but adding that team dynamic can really bring people to, to step up and rise to that next level, but can also be crushing for some people as well. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these more dominant racers on the individual side take that pressure from the team aspect and, and see if they rise to the occasion or not. And I think looking at the regular season results on the NCAA circuit this year, I'm hesitant to really make any kind of prediction just because NCAA championships, there are always surprises. And I really didn't notice a team that separated itself head and shoulders above the rest, especially on the Eastern circuit this year. But it's it's a safe to assume that one of those perennial powerhouse schools like you have Denver, Dartmouth, Utah, Colorado, UVM's playing host this year, and then Middlebury College as well. I would be incredibly surprised if the NCAA trophy did not go to one of those schools. So uh, NCAAs is, is uh, something special, and I'm really excited to see how it shakes out. And coming up after a short break, we will have Jimmy Krupka's interview with Dartmouth's Tongi Neff. Hey, it's Sean again. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about how you might be able to help us out. The single best way to support what we do at Ski Racing Media is through a subscription to Ski Racing Premium. From podcasts and World Cup race coverage to our wildly popular American Downhiller web series, Ski Racing Premium is the engine behind everything we do at Ski Racing Media. It literally keeps the lights on for us. Subscriptions cost $35 per year for unlimited premium content on SkiRacing.com, which includes full-length World Cup race features and many of the pieces you will hear us talking about on this show. If you are interested in supporting what we do, head on over to SkiRacing.com and click the subscribe button. All right. Now we'll get you back to the show. And we're back and live. I'm Jimmy Krupka reporting for Ski Racing Media and the Tips and Tales podcast, recording in studio, my dorm room, at Dartmouth College, where I'm a student, skier, and aspiring podcaster. Joining me today is, how do you say it? Tongi. Tongi Neff. Tongi, that's how you pronounce it. 
for all of those who are wondering and looking at start lists. He races for Dartmouth and the Swiss team. Um, Tongi, great to have you on the show. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm super excited. So you crushed the college circuit last season um, and this season, um, and then stormed onto the World Cup scene this season and just returned from racing in Sweden at World Champs. Um, here in the journalism world, we call that a meteoric rise, um, pretty sure. So let's start at the beginning. What led you to deciding to go to college? Uh, I just want to, you know, coming from Switzerland um, and uh, in the Swiss team, uh, I figured, you know, studying somewhere else, new continent, uh, new country, uh, new people, uh, I figured it'd be a good op opportunity. And uh, it turned out being awesome. And I'm super excited to be at Dartmouth and, you know, having my last uh, college season here. So this is your last college season? It is my last college yeah. season, yeah. And this is your junior year? It is, yeah. So, so I'm, I'm not going to be skiing my senior year uh, because this season I've been traveling a lot between Europe and, uh, and, and the U.S. Mm -hmm. for, for college and World Cup races, so I'm going to focus entirely on World Cups next year. Okay. And we'll get to all that about all the next year questions in a little bit. But just on that decision going to college, um, were you part of the Swiss team? when you decided to go to college like, and, and what did they think about that? Uh, well, so initially it was my, my plan B for not, if I was not going to make the team and then it turned out be becoming my plan A because they thought it was a super exciting and uh, a new oh, really? experience and okay. they thought the, 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 you know, it worked pretty well with the Norch with uh, Life Friesenaugen or mm. Solivag, I think. Um, and so they wanted to kind of try it out. And um, and so then I came here and I didn't really know what to expect, and uh, it turned out being super good for me. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, and where, what did your parents say? Were they kind of pushing for you to go to college, or or what was that like? Uh, my dad was super supportive um, because he he had been in the U.S. before, but uh, coming from an entirely Swiss family, it was definitely a big leap. I'd I'd say yeah. uh, coming so far from home. Uh, especially also financially. I mean, Dartmouth doesn't offer athletic scholarships, so that made it a little bit more tricky. But um, I figured, you know, uh, if I can give it a shot and uh, get a great education at the same time, it's going to be perfect. Yeah, because what do they do in Switzerland? Is it Do most kids at your level of skiing choose to just uh, kind of skip college and go straight to the World Cup? Or? Yeah, so some people actually don't really even do high school uh, mm -hmm. because they just, like, focus a lot on skiing. Um, half of the people usually try to do some studies next to their skiing or some sort of courses, but it's not as rigorous and not as full. The experience is like full immersion here, uh, which is completely different and unique mm -hmm. and, uh, and super awesome for, you know, becoming a better student and also a better athlete. Cool. So I, I, I'm a big stats guy. I'm going to go through the stats here. You started your, at Dartmouth. The beginning of your Dartmouth career, you started with 21 points in slalom and 42 in GS. Um, and by the end of that year, you dropped them to 16 and 13 in GS, which is a huge drop. And then you started this year with 7 and 8, top 50 in the world. So um, a, a huge a huge drop in your points. And, and it wasn't like you came in with, you know, it wasn't like you were already um, top in the world when you came in. You had a, you had a lot of developing to do. And just wondering what made Dartmouth such a good place to develop well so uh, I, I my points were relatively high because the season before I was just coming back from an injury okay and I couldn't you know ski as much or as well as I wish I, ha I, I, I did 
and um, and coming here, I think the the whole team atmosphere and also uh, being also you know more balanced with everything that's going around uh, on campus with like friends and also um, I don't know. I just it works super well for me for yeah. some reason. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain, but it was uh, kind of the lifestyle that worked well. Yeah, for you. yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, and just like having other friends that do something else, not just yeah. skiing all the time. And uh, the college circuit is super fun, and I've met some awesome guys too, and and that also brought the pleasure that I think is super important that helped me a lot, uh, especially yeah. this season at the beginning in the World Cup races. So it's kind of a breath of fresh air from the intensity in Europe. Yeah, in absolutely, way. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I had five years of fists, and uh, we'd go to races, and it was just like kind of going to work, not, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not yeah, nothing definitely. too special. Whereas uh, yeah. races every weekend, and you meet the same people all the time. There's good food, the families are coming, the yeah. friends are coming. So it's definitely a different atmosphere, and each race actually kind of pumps you up a little more yeah. than than just another race, and uh, and I think that contributed a lot to the success I've had. Yeah, you mentioned the team atmosphere. Was that a big part of it kind of your your development and yeah, just making it, was, it more fun? It was very very different than from uh, from the Swiss team. I mm -hmm. think uh, there it's a little bit more individualistic. It's also just how we are like wired in Switzerland, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the U.S., uh, people tend to be more you know, open and, and welcoming uh, for everyone and, uh, and the team. And also the way the, the system is for the, for the college circuit um, is just designed like that, where it matters a lot um, what your teammates do and uh, sometimes also more than just yourself. Yeah, and I, and I can attest to that. Um, have, this is only my first year on, on the college circuit, but I can definitely attest to that. And this college circuit, at least in the East and also in the West, has some serious pace. Um, Eastern college racers are consistently top five in Norams and have been top 10 on the World Cup. That's you. And Brian McLaughlin, um, who raced last year, was uh, 18th at Beaver Creek this beginning of the season. Um, Paula Moulton on the girls' side has also broken onto the World Cup scene. And so, you know, people say that this is the most, uh, you know, this is the fastest college circuit in the world because I guess, you know, college circuits in other countries aren't that developed. I don't know if you want to say anything. Oh uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely unique and um, and it's awesome to see all these people from all around the world basically end up in the U.S. and I think uh, the U.S. is doing a great job with that and seeing all these athletes. I mean, you mentioned Paula Melton, but there's also Remy Roney and uh, Laurent Saint Germain who are ab absolutely crushing on the World Cup. And uh, and I think it really shows how uh, how good that circuit is. Also, going with the Noram, to not forget, because uh, in these Noram races, you you get to have you know better points that will allow you to start maybe you know 40th at Levy instead of 80th. <laughs> yeah. And and that's a huge difference on the on the on the bigger scene. Um, and and I think it's really a playground. Uh, people in Europe have the Europa Cup, uh, and I think here we have, I mean we. People it's easier to get America. points yeah, here. You're saying, yeah. I don't think it's easier. It's just, uh, it's just a different playground. Uh, yeah. Maybe a little more playful, also. That is maybe a little easier on the, on the mind. And uh, and for me and for others, it has worked super well. And yeah. uh, and and the proof is that you know. Also, you said with Brian, even on the guy side, and with guys like Eric, also earlier, um, they are able to after performing on the Noram to perform on the World Cup. Yeah, and it's definitely it's it's cool to see, and it proves that the Noram is a can be a breeding ground um, for World Cup skiers, and and there are people on both sides of this argument, but there are people that say that they complain that college racing has been taken over by foreigners. What would you say to that? 
Uh, I think I think they they're not wrong um, because obviously there's a lot of foreigners, but that makes the beauty of this this system, the, the college skiing and of this sport, and mm -hmm. I think also the strength of this nation. <laughs> yeah, people coming from different backgrounds and different places. Uh, it's it it's it's tough because sometimes people with who are a little older will get a scholarship, and then the locals who might be younger and struggling a little more might not get that scholarship or something. But uh, at Dartmouth, there's a good balance, I think, uh, because there's no scholarships and uh, it's just based on off of merit and how well you're skiing at the moment, uh, which makes which makes the team also different from any other team. Yeah, and it's kind of a catch-22 because we, we need the, the foreign talent to come over to the United States to make the college racing in the United States um, at such a high level and uh, make it you know, possible to jump from college racing to NORAMs and World Cup. So it's definitely an interesting dilemma. Uh, how has it been balancing the World Cup and schoolwork? Uh, it's been a little <laughs> I mean, I've seen you go through it. It's definitely uh, yeah, tough. And, and, I, and I think you, you, have, you have experienced that too, so you can also attest. But uh, I think if it was my first year <laughs> on, the, on the winter, you know, car, like the circuit here, yeah. I don't think I would have managed doing that. But this is my third year. And uh, I mean, I've been here for what, three weeks out of 10. And uh, I've figured out, you know, talking to professors, they're, they're definitely more accommodating than uh, they would be maybe in Europe. And um, and you know, kind of figure out a way and ask for notes for friends to help you. And uh, sometimes it's definitely a a crank up, and you need to you can't go to bed, you can't rest as much before a race. And uh, and sometimes you know that I think that maybe have contributed. Maybe in Kidsville, I was a little tired, mm -hmm. uh, and so it has definitely not been easy. Especially also coming back from skiing in front of 60, or like fifty thousand people in Schladming and coming back to just sitting down on a chair and, and, and studying <laughs> for a, a test. change of pace. It, it, it yeah. is hard to concentrate at that time, and I think that was the hardest part. Uh, but it was it was a great experience, and I learned a lot from it. Uh, I'm I'm not gonna do it again. <laughs> yeah. But but uh, you know I, I, I if I were to do this one year again, I would do the same. Do you do your prof you ever tell your professors, hey I'm you know racing world championships can you just give me a pass or something like that uh, i don't tell them i don't ask them to give me a pass but uh usually when they you know when i tell them why i'm not going to be there I, I usually tell them it's for the world cup or for world championships do you and get a good they, response yeah no they're super excited yeah. and, and and i think it has definitely self saved me <laughs> yeah a couple of times mm -hmm. uh, i didn't get free passes or anything but maybe i got you know some free extensions compared to some other people just because of the travel schedules and stuff like that uh, but so, yeah, that is also very much, I, I think, in the U.S., whereas, you know, if you were in Europe, there would be four, 400 students in the, in the classroom and on the auditorium and the prof would not even know you and wouldn't really care. So, yeah, uh, that's unique to the U.S. And it's it's really it's really good for doing that, actually. Yeah, it is cool. Well, so you raced at World Champs in the slalom in Ore, Sweden um, last month. What was that like? You got any cool stories from that? Uh, it was it was it was pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, I I got to meet all the best athletes of the world. Uh, I got to eat with some of them because you know it was the whole Swiss team was all together, oh, just yeah. eating together. And then I came uh, I came the night of the team event and Switzerland won. So that was that was super cool to being part of that crew basically coming yeah. coming home and then it's like a team was there event a big party also. after that one um i did i did not i was super tired but i think some people were definitely okay. definitely going out um uh i you know it, it was good to see all athletes from 
all over the world and uh, just exchange, talk to them, and uh, and and then you know obviously to the best level and uh, and racing was also super interesting. But I was mostly there for the experience, and yeah, uh, I'm trying to bring that. You know that that gives me a lot of. Uh, uh, motivation for the next two years for shoot for another world champs and especially for the Olympics. For Olympics, yeah, definitely. Um, so, before we look ahead to next year, I want to look. I want to talk about the NCAA's because um, NCAA national championships are coming up this Thursday, the seventh, and Saturday, the ninth. You won the NCAA slalom last season. I'm assuming you're gonna shoot for the win again this season. Uh, yeah, I think uh, yeah. I think I mean I've I've definitely stepped up from last year, yeah, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fight. You never know who's gonna win. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> uh, you have some competition this year because exactly, and there uh, are some slalom skiers on the western raised, side who well, have raced the, World Cup as ex- well. Exactly, so it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a fight, and uh, I'm I'm happy it's gonna be in the East Coast because it's a little icier, and that's also more similar than what I've, we've had on the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's a little plus for me, but it's definitely gonna be a fight. Uh, I definitely want to defend my title. Um, I also want to confirm my uh, giant, giant slalom <laughs> yeah. skills. I got second last year. It'd be awesome to to win the giant slalom title too. But uh, but you know anything can happen. It's a one day race, and uh, especially with these races, championships, it's always hard on the hard on the mental game, and uh, and you never know what's gonna happen. And it's also uh, a team event before anything else, uh, and that's something you need to uh, put in the equation. Would you take a you know winning both the slalom and GS, or would you take the team win? What would? Oh, I would I would absolutely take the team win. Yeah. I think um, I think I mean I've already won an individual uh, title. Uh, it was super cool, but you know my teammates were not as maybe oh they're happy for me, but it was not everyone that was just celebrating that win. It was more like an individual thing, and I think sharing something like that for an individual sport like skiing that we do in teams. Uh, is is unique to this to this circuit and uh, is really exciting. It's it's a prospect that is super ex- exciting and I, and I really want to yeah our team to perform like that. It's a fun but, thing to be a part of. Oh, when absolutely. The team wins, no, it's, it's really huge. Yeah. So let's look ahead to next year. Um, are you going to go to school next year? What terms are you going to do? At yeah. So um, just to re- just to give everyone background, Dartmouth is on, it, is on a quarterly system. So basically, there's a spring summer winter and fall term um that you can go to yeah so right now i'm a, I'm a junior and uh after this spring i'll be a senior so i'll have uh, one full year left and i'll be staying in school in the summer um mm-hmm. and then take the fall and the winter off to uh get ready for the season and then stay in europe basically for the for the whole oh, winter, winter season yeah uh, not having to travel back to to the us to f- take classes uh, I'll, I'll try to stay busy at the same time uh, doing other stuff, but uh, but then I'll be back in the spring and I'll do a summer again and finish my thesis and I'll I'll gra- I'll, I'll graduate with my class actually. Uh, You'll be in, able to uh, walk. in June twenty twenty, yep. um, mm-hmm. so that's super exciting. And then I'll just have one more term with my senior thesis to finish up in uh, computer science, so that'll be super exciting. <laughs> computer science <laughs> and, uh, and has then, that been yeah. tough this year? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I've yeah, it's it's challenging, but uh, it's also something you can kind of do on the way and. Uh, yeah. And uh, it was not the hardest class. Uh, there was definitely a harder class out there. Uh, it was it was manageable. Um, but um, after after that after that thesis, I'll be I'll be I think hopefully focusing on on skiing for a couple of years, and um, and then we'll see we'll see from there. Well, Neff, it was great to have you on the show. Um, this was an exciting first podcast segment. I'm Jimmy Krupka. 
I'm reporting for Ski Racing Media and the Tips and Tales podcast. Have a good one, folks. Thank you, Jimmy, for that fantastic piece of reporting, and best of luck to all the athletes competing at this week's NCAA Championships in Stowe, Vermont. All right, I am sitting down with U.S. Ski and Snowboard Alpine Development Director Chip Knight. Chip, thanks so much for uh, sitting down with us. Thanks, Sean. Glad to be here. Yeah, so uh, let's jump right into it. World Junior Championships concluded last week in Valdefassa, Italy. The U.S. had some very encouraging performances. What are your general takeaways of the venue and the series as a whole? Well, it's a fantastic venue this year. Um, we've been quite lucky the last couple of years, actually, with, with uh, the venues that, that we've been able to um, race World Juniors at. Um, this one was particularly good, though. It's a main um, mainstay on the Europa Cup circuit. Um, the tech venue, the men are there most years for slalom. Um, they redesigned the GS venue, uh, adapted it for, for this level of competition. So it was a very, very viable slalom and GS venue. Um, and then on the speed side, they've totally um, designed a whole new speed venue in the last couple of years in Paso San Pellegrino. So they've had some women's Europa Cups there in the last two years, I believe. Um, and it'll certainly be a, a regular stop on the on the Europa Cup speed tour for the women, especially going forward. So really top-notch venues. Um, Italy has the, the benefit of being just on the southern side of the Alps, so they get really stable weather. And so the snow surfaces are, are quite consistent um, very regularly. Uh, and, and they were again this week. I mean, uh, we had sun. I think there were some wispy clouds like the last day. <laughs> it was just perfect weather with hard snow the whole time. Uh, really, really great venues. and. As I said, they've had Europa Cup, so they're really accustomed to that level of competition, the kind of hospitality and organization that's necessary. It was it was really well done. And let's talk a little bit about uh, the U.S. taking third place in the Holder Cup. I know that's kind of the benchmark for progress as a nation. What was it? What did it mean for you as a staff and then the athletes as a whole to step onto the podium once again in that ranking? It's huge. Um, it's a big benchmark for us, as as you mentioned. Um, We've, we've won the Hodler Cup a couple times in our history, but it's been at least 15 years, I think, since we've, since we've won it. I think it was but Ted and Julia and Lindsay's generation. It was that era. Right? Yeah. yeah, early 2000s was the last time we won it. And, um, and in recent years, we've, we've been, you know, bottom sort of eight, nine, tenth uh, many years in the ranking. So we've been clawing our way up. Um, we were, we were uh, fifth, I believe, two years ago, fourth last year. Um, and, and another notch up in third this year. Uh, frankly, I was looking at the standings ahead of us last year thinking Switzerland, Austria, and Norway. That's a pretty formidable trio at the top. Um, but Austria was a little bit weak this year, and, and we obviously had some, some great performances, and we were able to, to get up on the podium, which is, you know, it's a huge thing for us. Um, and our team really rallied around it. Um, we've, we've become, we've been talking about it much more openly with our athletes and, you know, as a staff, um, how, how we value this as a, as a, a signal of our team strength. And they've really rallied behind it. They're psyched. I mean, you heard River talking about, you know, scoring top 10 holder cup points. Uh, it's exciting to see a, a group of athletes in an individual sport really pull together and, and root for one another and try and get uh, achieve a team goal. Mm -hmm. and, and speaking of River, I think the, the real highlights on the individual side came from the men and River in particular, taking double gold in Super G and GS. And in his post-race interviews, especially in the Super G, he kind of talked about how big of a monkey on his back World Junior Gold was after some medals in the past couple of years. What was it like being on the ground during that day and, and how did that 
lift some pressure, not only off of him, but the team as a whole to get that gold medal? Um, it's funny. I'm chuckling to hear you say it's a monkey off his back. He's done so well at World Juniors um, the past couple of years. Um, you know, three years ago, I believe, was when he won three golds at the Youth Olympic Games. And he came to the World Juniors the next year and, in a bit of a surprise, won silver in the combined. Um, and then last year, you know, sort of backed that up uh, in, with his silver in Super G. Mm -hmm. So he's done very well at World Juniors um, in the past couple of years. But no, he hadn't won gold yet. And, and gold is obviously another step up and a, and a big one. So it, it was a huge performance for him. He's focused almost entirely on slalom and GS, particularly GS, but, but also on his slalom this year. Um, has not done much speed. I, I think he's had maybe, he had had maybe four Super G starts going into the, um, the championships. Um, and uh, gosh, I don't believe he had had any downhill. Um, so we were going out a bit on the limb with this idea that, you know, working on our tech skiing and our ability to turn will, will still um, prove valuable in the speed events. Um, and, you know, it, it, proved, it proved to be true with River. Um, you know, Kyle, as Kyle Negamir had had some downhill. He was in Lake Louise, for example. Um, so he wasn't quite as green in the speed events coming in as, as River was. Um, but both of them performed well in downhill. They were in the game. And River, the, you know, come Super G Day, River really stepped up and, and laid down a, a great run in Super G. Um, some very top-level speed skiers, especially Swiss and Austrians, um, were there. And he, um, he, was, he was the class of the field and, and held off some of the young Norwegians who were also very strong. Um, so that was a huge result. He backed it up the next... The, the next day with a, in the Super G portion of the combined, winning again on that hill. Um, so th I think that started to set the tone that uh, we were here to compete and, and, he was, and he was ready to compete in this championships. So it was a good initial first step, uh, especially, you know, we didn't quite have immediate results in, in the events until, until his gold medal, um, but it started us off on a, on a really good track after that. So it was it was important for him and important for the team. Yeah, it definitely seemed like that gold medal was the turning point, not just for River, but for the whole team with another gold in uh, GS, Ben Ritchie getting the silver in the slalom, and then the team event silver as well. It was incredibly exciting, especially with uh, all the conversation in the community about team event on the World Cup level. Um, what was it like just to see that momentum build and build throughout the week and, and capping it off on a high note? Well, the, the, gosh, the team event, you know, the team event was before Ben's medal, um, and it was before River's second gold. Uh, so sort of chronologically speaking, that also really helped pull the team together. Mm -hmm. um, it helped, I think it helped the women a lot as well. Uh, you know, Katie Hensian had come into the slalom. It's a bit hard the way they've run the last two World Juniors where they run the women's tech events first. Uh, so boom, right out of the gate, the women have to be ready to go, you know, Traditionally, you start with downhill training, so there's a couple days to kind of warm up to the to the level of competition. Um, so Katie's Katie's main event was the second event in slalom, and and she wasn't you know super excited with her tenth place result in slalom after being fourth the year before. So coming out in the team event was a, was a great opportunity for her to contribute and, and ultimately win a medal. I think it helped AJ settle into the championships as well, um, and it and it helped it helped Ben uh, find his footing it was his first championships I think it really helped find his footing and it helped the team um, rally around something so chronologically speaking that was a that was a great moment for us uh, and it helped send us into the the final half of the championships on on a really good note
And speaking a little bit more about men's tech in particular, you had two medals, and then, but also the team as a whole, so many racers inside of the top 30, I believe more than any other nation in both of those events. What did that say about what what is going on on the national team level at the development, on the development side on the national team level, and how does that bode well for us going forward in the future? We've got depth in tech. Um, frankly, it's been building, though. You know, we've we've shifted our focus in the last three years about more toward tech. Um, it was really it was a reaction um, to the fact that our criteria was easier to achieve in speed, and we wanted to close that loophole, so to speak, and we wanted to um, philosophically focus on building from a solid technical foundation. Uh, and and you know, the the number of guys starting in the top thirty has really, really improved over the last two cycles um, at World Juniors. And this year it, it, it felt like even, you know, yeah, we had start numbers, but we were also able to compete in that top 30. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's really going the right direction. The, the challenge we have going forward is that we only had two women, after Alex Wilkinson had a concussion, two women start the downhill and, you know, only four men. We, we can start up to six. Um, and what we're seeing uh, on the ground is athletes aren't entirely comfortable in the downhill environment. Um, and so we've got to work hard as a country to not only shore up our technical scheme, because that's what's ultimately going to carry athletes to the top of the sport in any event, but also make sure they're getting speed exposure so they're comfortable in that environment. Speed is a, t- is a phenomenal teaching tool. It's an area, uh, it's an area for growth. Uh, for us going forward as a team at the World Junior level and in, at the World Cup level. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we, we got to be careful that we're not um, sh- short-circuiting ourselves to focus so much on tech that our speed completely falls off um, the table. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's, a, that's a challenge we have going forward. And again, not to overreact. I mean, we do still want to build from tech, but make sure that that exposure is relevant and meaningful for young athletes in the speed disciplines. And we touched a little bit on the women, no medals, but some encouraging performances. Keely Cashman with some top fives, AJ and Katie Hensi and both with top tens. What were some of the positive takeaways from you from the women's side? In, in AJ and Keely, we have two women that are, that are contenders. Uh, straight up. AJ got sick. Uh, she had a, some sort of a bad cold flu type virus. Um, and so she basically, she was uh, not, certainly not firing on, firing on all cylinders for the speed events, which is where she really could have done some damage. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a good GS result, um, seventh place. She was certainly in the mix there. Uh, Keely, um, sort of similar as an athlete, really um, lines up as a contender more in the speed disciplines. Certainly, um, certainly uh, a competitor in, in the tech disciplines, but we felt like she had real potential to, to do some damage and maybe win some medals in speed, and she was really close. I mean, her Super G run was right in there, maybe a tenth or two from the medals. Um, and in Alpine combined, I mean, she was one notch. She was, she was fourth. <laughs> And it was a very slim margin. So she's right there, and she's made tremendous improvements this year. Mm-hmm. Last year at World Juniors, she was kind of spooked and, and had a tough time really competing at that level. This year, she was she was much more in her element. In the downhill, she won the training run the day before. Granted, she missed a gate, but she was certainly had some of the most speed on the hill. Um, 
and she had a tough draw on race day and ultimately wasn't it got really warm and, and track slowed a bit and she wasn't able to execute on race day but she's in the mix uh, so she both she and AJ are, will be returning next year and, and we feel really really positive about their potential going forward um, Alex Wilkinson is another one who who unfortunately suffered a concussion but we feel like she's has some good potential in all events but um, also in the speed events and Katie um, you know Katie I think was disappointed as I mentioned with her slalom. It was she was fourth year before, so there were some high expectations going in. Mm-hmm. Um, what we see on the women's side, it's it's I mean it's it's shocking. Even on the men's side, there are athletes who've scored in the World Cup competing uh, in the World Juniors. Um, but on the women's side, you have legitimate contenders. Um, you know, uh, Meta Horvat was on the podium of a World Cup last year. Um, and so you've got athletes that are that are names, household names, really that you recognize. And you know what we see is our athletes. For instance, with Katie, she's been much more domestically based, focused in college, and it's a different level over there. I mean, the the, the athletes who are winning are are young and really, really good. And so, as a country, what we've got to recognize that if we want to push our athletes to the highest level, especially in tech. Um, it requires a serious commitment at, a, at an early age, 16, 17, 18 years old, to compete with, with the level that those young women are producing. Mm-hmm. Were there any disappointments in the series that you wish uh, we would have taken more advantage of? Oh, it's funny. As, as well as we did third place and all, there, was, there were many near misses. I mean, we had, what, two, uh, two fourth places. Um, there, Kyle Negamir uh, lost a Super G result because his, his ski was a hair too wide underfoot. Just a, a, an unfortunate oversight. Um, so there are disappointments like that. But, but again, with a championship, you're going you're gonna to win some, you're going to lose some. So you, you know, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna hit everyone out of the park. Um, I think we've come a long way. It's, it's really positive, the direction that, that we're going in. I think the staff is really working together. Um, you know, we've made a big effort at the at the D team level with Marion and Sasha this year, but those guys are also working really well in with Pete Anderson and um, Chris Champany and and also Magnus Anderson on the Europa Cup level, and they've formed good teams where athletes are are comfortable working with the whole staff, um, getting exposure up in the ranks, um, and 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 also going back down to the clubs even in some cases. So I, I think we're moving in a really positive direction. We've just got to start to think about how to, you know, what are the what are the areas we need to continue to improve upon. I mean, we're going to graduate River and Kyle this year, um, and and a couple of others. So we've got to start to think about how we're going to fill those gaps. I mentioned speed. I think we still got to kind of focus on how we're preparing athletes for the speed disciplines. Um, it's really important, and and you know, just keep, keep doubling down on on some of our other areas that we want to focus on. Uh, conditioning, fundamental development. I mean, a lot of the same themes we've been talking about. We still have we still have room to improve. I mean, the Swiss aren't going anywhere. They've got five or six in every discipline. Um, they're incredibly strong and hungry. Um, we've, we've certainly got room to improve there. But but again, we've come a long way. And and um, as a as a country, as an organization, as a team, we we deserve to be proud right now. Awesome, Chip. Well, thank you so much for sitting down. We appreciate it, and we'll uh, see you on the hill. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for the time. All right, everybody, that is it for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next Wednesday.